Las Lágrimas de Mamá Grande Juanita, 1938. Grandmother Juanita's Tears, 1938. By Frank Moreno Cipuentes. The death of our father, late March 1938, changed our lives the way dynamite changes the side of the mountain. I was going to turn six two months later, and for me, it truly became a profound experience because I had experienced his loss without having any idea of understanding it. What had we done so terrible to deserve it? What was this happening called death? No one had an answer. The only thing we knew was life had continued for us and had ended for our dad. My reaction was to suppress it and try to seal it up forever in my subconscious. I soon realized that the absence of my father meant I could wander further away from the house without having to be afraid that I would not be able to hear his whistle signaling that I had better get home right away or else risk getting spanked. During the first few days after our father's funeral, staying at home was like being in a nightmare in broad daylight. Mama, my sister Carmen, Mama Grande, Juanita, were not to be consoled. Mother was unable to stop being painfully grieved until one night our father appeared as clear as day to tell her, stop crying because everything was going to be all right. He said that he would always be watching over us. I continued taking off to play to my heart content unimpeded by responsibility. To my brother Ben, who was three years older, I became a crossed bear because my father had passed the mantle to him as the man of the house and had given him specific instructions to look after me. Therefore, he was sent to look for me when Mama asked, where's Kiko? No wonder that he could no longer be a child. Ben had been taken under Papa Grande's wing and he was treating him like a prince, and therefore teaching him everything he could, including how to make beer at a home cellar using the Budweiser formula. He even taught him one must drink small amounts, and that for that one would have to sip it slowly. Benny had been in grandfather's room shortly before grandfather had taken his last breath in 1937, and since he had no idea he had died, he tried to tickle him to wake him up and started to wonder why he couldn't. However, when Mama Grande came in and saw that he had died, she began screaming in agony. This really confused him because Papa Grande had been preparing him for this event, telling him that he was going to heaven and therefore they should celebrate his death because he would be in paradise. And when the following year, our father was murdered, it simply became too much for Mama Grande. A few years before, she had lost Tia Pilar, who had died giving birth to Tony, leaving him and an older daughter, Alicia, for a grandmother to raise. And in the late 1920s, she lost our Uncle Kiko, who was 13, when he got killed on 6th in Congress, having been run over by a truck, running across the street to sell a newspaper. Someone upon recognizing him, and knowing where his family lived, ran to First Street to their home to announce the bad news to Mama Grande. She ran five blocks to the scene and was able to be with him when he died in her arms. 
Much earlier, after World War One, our Uncle Joe had returned from France with his body all filled with sores, for he had been gassed in a battle. He had come home to more misery because Grandpa Antonio was a tyrant and raising his family with an iron fist. Uncle Joe found it unbearable and decided to leave home after joining a circus and never returned. Years later, they received news that he had died in Colorado and had been buried there. What a terrible irony Mama Grande had endured. She and Apagrande left Mexico in 1907 to escape the ravages of the impending Mexican Civil War to live in a quiet and safe place in peaceful Austin, Texas. Would they have had worse luck if they had remained in Mexico? I remember once when Mama Grande started crying while on her rocker that was located at the very spot where our father's coffin had been during the wake. She reached out for me to come and sit on her lap, and she told me, Tu padre murió antes de su tiempo, mijito, y por eso es su alma no está en la gloria, está en el purgatorio. Your father died before his time, and is not in heaven, meaning that he was in purgatory. I understood he was between earth and heaven, and I looked at her agonizing face and saw big tears zigzagging down her deep wrinkles on her face, and then she gave a sigh of relief and said, No hay dolor que dura cien años, ni cuerpo que lo aguante. There is no pain that lasts a hundred years, nor a body that can stand it. This saying consoled her somehow. However, her expression, her explanation of our father's fate confused me. However, I did find consolation knowing my father was somehow not too far away. And I remember going to the front yard of the house to stare at the sky for long periods of time, hoping to see my father any moment coming through the clouds. I even wondered if he would have his favorite hat on. Mama Grande's explanation fostered the idea we had heard from others who said that he had gone to purgatory to pay for his sins. The implications were, since he died such a violent death during a night of drinking, he was not worthy of immediate reward of heaven, as if the agony he had endured had not been enough punishment. My sister Carmen, who was a year older and was attending our Lady Guadalupe school, was not about to accept our father had not gone to heaven. One day, when I was in front of the house, staring at the sky, I saw Carmen coming home from school, running down the hill on 9th Street so fast that I couldn't see her feet touching the ground. And when she got close to me, she clearly appeared to be in ecstasy, for she had great news. Our father was in his glory in paradise, according to the nuns of Our Lady de Guadalupe, because he had received extra unction, the last rites. I was not able to share her joy because I was already finding comfort searching the sky to be able to see our father pass by at a moment. 